Brave Podcast Network. Sick of being stuck and uninspired and living in fear? Yeah, me too. That's why I created the Get Your Brave On podcast, because I was looking for something that wasn't a push alert on my phone or a negative news story to start my day. Get Your Brave On is a podcast you can listen to while you're getting ready in the morning, brushing your teeth or putting your makeup on or getting your cardio in. Get exactly the motivation and inspiration you need to silence fear and do one brave thing a day. Make sure that you follow so you don't miss an episode. We start the week off with a topic, an inspiration. Then the next episode is a prayer about that. The third episode of the week, a faith-based meditation. The rest of the week includes stories from listeners just like you on how you're facing fear and getting your brave on. Share yours at 530-4-AMANDA. And I bring you experts to give you advice on how to silence fear when it comes to your faith, family, finances, fitness, and we even get to have some fun. Don't miss an episode. Sign up at getyourbraveon.info and I'll send you my free Brave Life Planner. Another thing you can start your day with instead of negative news. It is a specific plan to boot up your bravery and set your mind on the right things, the good things. And then a daily planner to help you choose one brave thing a day. If you use this every day for 30 days, that's 30 brave things things you've done in a month. Just think of how brave you will be by the end of the year. 365% more brave. Sign up at getyourbraveon.info and make sure you follow the podcast. So glad you're here. Stops now. You were not made to feel inadequate, to handle the life that you've been given. You were made to make a difference. And here to help is the pastor of America's fastest growing church, Elevation, New York Times bestselling author, Stephen Furtick. Going to talk about his book, Unqualified, how God uses broken people to do big things. What that means, how it can apply to your life, how it can release you to do big things, and have a very special message for single moms from Pastor Furtick. I mean, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey. Thanks for talking to me today. How's your life? Oh, crazy. That's okay. I've got three kids about the same age as yours. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, we can swap stories. Yes. Kind of a personal question, if that's okay with you. Yeah, I, let's do it. All right. I, I've got your app, and I, I was looking at some videos the other day, and I, I'm wondering if you've started the sport of CrossFit. I was going to ask you about that because <laughs> I, I didn't do CrossFit, but I oh. have been getting more competitive and more focused in my workouts, and I was going to ask you for some tips. Oh, nice. No, I was like, well, he's got the beard and, you know, look like he's like really focusing on that. Well, well done. I don't know about yeah, tips. I just know enough to get dangerous. Yeah, enough to get hurt. Well, I will, yes. I will tell you one thing. I'm, 30, I'm 36 years old, and I feel like right now – um, that my main goal any given day is not to be injured. Do you ever yes. feel that way? Like I just Absolutely. feel like half of my workout is to not get myself hurt. Yes, that's the way I feel. I tell my coach, I'm like, hey, look, like I'm a single mom with three kids. Like, mama has to be able to walk tomorrow. So, yeah. Because like, <laughs> if mama doesn't walk and mama doesn't drive, nobody goes anywhere. So. Yeah, that's the priority. <laughs> that mom can run the household, not that mom can deadlift. Are you training for something specific? Hey, I'm training for life, Amanda. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I actually 
feel like it gets it gets my creativity going though. I write a lot of my sermons during the middle of a workout. It's kind of funny. I guess that's the way my brain works, but it helps me a lot. Oh, well, I, I do find it interesting. So um, the new book, Unqualified, How God Uses Broken People to Do Big Things. Were you inspired to write that one at the gym? No, let me tell you how I was inspired to write that. I was watching a sermon on YouTube one Saturday, and I was getting ready to go and preach. We have church on Saturday nights. And I had it on in the background, and it came up on a recommended for you thing, what to watch next on YouTube. And so I was feeling wild and crazy, so I just clicked on it. And it was a theologian doing an interview. This guy is legendary. I've never met him. But I read his book in seminary, or I should say I read a portion of his book in seminary. Um, I wasn't necessarily the best student, but I read I read portions of his book in seminary. And uh, he was going through an interview where the interviewer was asking him in a lightning round to give his opinion on different events in the church world and different people in the church world. And so the interview, I played it, and when it got to that part, I heard them say my name. I heard them say, Stephen Furtick. I ran back in the room, you know, like real self-important, like they're talking about me. And I didn't know the guy knew who I was, <sighs> and, and I was so shocked to hear my name. And they said, Stephen Furtick. And the guy, he sighs, and he, he exhales, and he has this look on his face, this look of agony, like hearing my name was toxic to his brain, like he just... <gasps> And so the whole crowd is chuckling like they knew he wasn't a fan of me. And, and he, he, he looks down and I wish I could demonstrate this for you. I'll try my best to explain it. He breathes out and he looks back up and he goes unqualified. That was his one word to describe me. No and way. This book is actually about what I felt when he said that because there have been times where I would have thought of some other words that I could respond back with that would not be appropriate for this mm -hmm. setting. But in that moment, I felt almost like it was a compliment and I was comfortable with it. And so I decided to write my book called Unqualified and own the fact that I have never felt like I had what it takes to do what God has called me to do as a pastor, as a dad, as a person, as a friend. And that's what the book is about, is acceptance, acceptance of that fact. Because I think everybody has, whether a mom trying to raise kids or whether somebody trying to just, a, a guy trying to do his job, we all have this sense that we're faking everybody out and how long until they realize that I don't know what I'm doing. And so it may not be on YouTube from a theologian, but we all have that voice, unqualified, unqualified. You know, every time you go to speak, every time you go to make a contribution, every time you go to tackle something. And the book is about dealing with that and knowing that that impression or sensation is not going to go away, but how you respond to it determines whether or not you're going to see everything that God has promised you come to pass in your life. Man, do you feel like these feelings of unqualified that we have? I know for you, it did something different. For me, I feel like the feelings of unqualified prevent me from moving forward. And they can. It did something for me, though, that was so valuable in allowing me to talk about it and let people know that because you feel that way doesn't mean that you have to agree with it and you can actually move through those feelings of brokenness. The book is about how we flatline these Bible heroes. When we teach our kids about Moses, we teach Moses as a great and mighty man of faith, but Moses was also a murderer. Moses also made excuses. Moses also had 
a million and one reasons why this is a bad idea, God. But yet by the time we get done with Moses, he's this beautiful picture of unwavering faith. And I think we've done a disservice when we don't present Jacob as a trickster or Abraham as someone who had to lie about who his wife was. We don't present these Bible characters as broken people. Those are the people that God chose. And so the message of the book is that that feeling of being unqualified is actually what's going to push you to discover the strength that's in your weakness. Because we think those two are opposites. We think that weakness and strength are opposites. But what I'm trying to get across and what I'm coming to realize is that my weakness, this is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, by the way, he said, when I am weak, then I am strong. So that weakness that I feel can actually be a way for me to receive God's strength beyond my own. But if I allow other people's assessments or my own assessments of myself to limit me, I'll always stay stuck and I'll never see it. If I push past it and learn how to say, yeah, I'm unqualified. Yeah, I feel that way. Yeah, I feel like I don't have what it takes, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press in to see how God's grace is going to close the gap between my weakness and his dreams for my life that you can actually find strength there that you never knew. Love it. So what do you want someone to feel after they finish the very last page of your book? Understood. I want them to feel <laughs> understood. I want them to feel known. I want them to be affirmed that God chose you not only in spite of your problems, because I think that's the message we preach in the church, is almost like God overlooked a lot of stuff before he gave you those kids. God can use you anyway, but I want to say God is going to use you because of some of the very deficiencies that you think are going to prevent you from fulfilling your purpose. So one example that I've used to explain it is that Paul tells the church at Corinth when he's writing to them that he is not a very impressive speaker. And when we picture Paul, we picture this powerful preacher. You know, he contributed approximately 23% of the New Testament. He founded the church in continents where Christ had never been named. He was very effective, but he wasn't very good at speaking. And sometimes people would criticize him that he wasn't very powerful or forceful in his speaking, but that his letters were weighty. Well, the thing that hit me in reading that was that Paul may have never picked up a pen to write if he had been more impressive as a speaker. So it was the thing that he couldn't do as well as some others could do it, which was speak, that led him to do what only he could do and write. And that's why we have those New Testament letters today, like Galatians, like 1 Corinthians, like Ephesians. It may have been because of Paul's deficiency that he fulfilled his destiny. And that's the message I want to get across. I'm, I'm tired of people feeling like there's this class of Christians and class of moms and class of, of preachers and people that have some access to some secret strength that you don't have. This is a book about calling all people who feel unqualified to know that if you honestly offer God the current version of you, that's the version he loved. That's the version that he chose. That's the version that he wants to work through. And believing that is the first step. And if you take the step, the first step, God will reveal the next. And so we're trying to get people moving beyond their feelings of inadequacy. I love that. I speak to a lot of single moms. That's kind of just my passion because it's who I am. And you have all different kinds of scenarios where you encourage people that feel unqualified. And I think in this one area, I would love your encouragement for single moms. You feel like you're not the picture perfect family. Yes. And I always say, hey, the picture perfect family is just, it's okay. The contents of everyone's pictures are different. Wow. 
Like wow. the family photo over your fireplace mm-hmm. may not have a dad in it, but you're a family. And that's powerful. I, I, I agree with that. Wow. Because well, I feel I unqualified feel, to raise my kids to be head of household and to be a father to my children. I, I, I feel unqualified to speak to the issue of being a single mom. <laughs> I, feel, I feel also, though, like I have something to say okay. to the single mom who feels that way. And while my experience may not be the same, I think the insight will apply, is that we see the pieces and God sees the picture. And it's very difficult when you especially have what you feel like are missing pieces and maybe even feel like the missing pieces are your fault. Sometimes you blame yourself. I could have worked harder if I had chosen better, if I had been more. All of those things are exactly where our, our minds will focus unless we allow God to give us the perspective of knowing that he knew exactly what he was going to be working with at this stage of your life. And you either believe this or you don't. But I want to encourage you to embrace the fact that God saw every piece that wouldn't be there and he accounted for it. And it's part of the picture that he's creating. Because sometimes I feel like in my own life, if I can build a bridge from where I am to where the single mom might be, I feel like there are gifts, skills, abilities, aptitudes that are required to lead my church that I don't have. And one day I was telling my wife about this saying, you know, I think God should have picked someone else. And I think that's what a single mom would feel from time to time, not only based on the natural limitations of income or time. I know those are huge, but I think it's even deeper than that. It's picturing how much better someone could do in that situation. And Holly looked back at me one day. I was just going on and on about how I don't know if I have what it takes to lead the church to the next level. And she said something that was so strong, but it was so simple. I didn't realize how deep it was when she said it. She said, well, you're the pastor we've got. (laughs) So (laughs) you're the pastor we've got. And that's my word is you're the mom they've got. And something about you, God saw that you had the capacity to fulfill this calling. And I do think you have to see it as a calling. You can't see it as any less of a calling then someone sees their their professional ministry or then you see your your radio career. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's probably areas of your life, Amanda, where you feel very competent. Even when we were talking about working out, there are areas <laughs> where you feel like you you've got this, but everybody is secretly struggling somewhere and feeling bad that they're not able to give what they're sure that someone else could provide. And the reason we feel this way is because we have an incomplete image and imagination of what other people's lives are like. And so we only see glimpses and it's never been worse than it is right now. And I talk about this a lot in the book because another thing that Paul talks about is not comparing yourselves against yourself. You know, when you compare yourself as a mom against that other mom and she shows you the picture of them at the beach and they're all smiling And they all have their American girl dolls and haven't been able to take your kids on a vacation for four years. What she didn't show you is that the husband didn't even want to be on the beach for the picture, maybe can't stand to be around her and spent the whole day at the mall secretly wishing to leave. And maybe he didn't even show up in time. None of that is visible. So now 
we've got something on Pinterest, something on Instagram, something on Facebook yeah. that is an incomplete image that we are comparing our reality to and we're comparing our real to their ideal and it fosters manipulation and pretension. And now I feel the pressure to project this image of perfection and to pretend to be somebody that I'm not. And one thing I'm realizing, if you really want to be blessed, God can't bless who you pretend to be. So that person, that mom, that incomplete, inadequate version of a mom that you are, not the one who cuts the sandwiches into the shapes of dinosaurs and Dora, <laughs> but the one who yells at the kids, barely gets them to school, but is there to drop them off. That present mom, that's the one God can bless. That's the one God can use. And you don't need to offer him some perfected, pretend version of what you think a mom is supposed to be based on an ideal that's presented to you that has no place in reality. I'm sorry, you got me preaching now. I but I, I, I feel this in my heart because it's not fair what we do to each other when we carefully construct these images which have no little to no basis in reality and people are comparing themselves against what we've shown them but we've only shown them the parts of us that that we're proud of and meanwhile everybody has a a showroom and a warehouse so i think you got to be very careful about that comparison game sometimes you can actually be fulfilling your calling and winning with your kids but feel like they're frustrated with you you're really projecting onto them a frustration that's not even their frustration with you. It's your frustration with yourself that's rooted in comparison mm -hmm. to a picture of a life that's not even real. The picture-perfect family. The so-called picture-perfect picture family. family mm -hmm. Also known as the pretend family. Also known <laughs> as the post family. And, and none, none of it is real. And the sooner we realize that and realize that God sees the big picture in our broken pieces and he's making something beautiful of it, I think then we can begin to offer him what we have instead of waiting on the piece that we think we're missing to begin building the life that he's called us to construct. What do we do with these broken pieces that we have to not be so obsessed about the one that's missing? How do you continue to construct that life with the pieces that we got? Yeah, that's a great question, and I think it's illustrated all throughout Scripture, first of all. I mean, Moses was called to lead the Israelites out of slavery, and the first thing God told him is to take the staff that was in his hand. So it always starts with what's in your hand. It always starts with the time that you have. It always starts with the resource that you have. And the strategy, I believe, of the enemy to discourage us and to discount us and to oftentimes just completely eliminate progress in our lives is to get us focused on some point in the future where we're gonna have something we don't have now. And that's when I can make a difference and that's when I'll have margin. So I think anytime you take an evaluation of what's in your hand, you realize you're underestimating your strengths, you're underestimating your advantages. And we could get very practical about this in a way to say that sometimes we're overlooking the very thing that makes us powerful. I, I feel like so many times we don't even see the contribution and the impact that we're making. And sometimes it starts with a gratitude for what we have. Sometimes it starts with activating what we have. Sometimes it starts with spending the 10 minutes that I do have with my child rather than thinking about the 10 day vacation that I wish I had. <laughs> so yeah, I think all of that is pretty common sense, but it's harder to live out because we are so focused on what we think that we need. But everything that you need for your next season will be produced by what you do in this season. And everything you need for what's next in your life is going to come out of your faithfulness in what you have now. And just embracing that fact, even if it's limiting, 
And that's why I wrote the book is to say that every great leader in scripture had great limitations. We can walk through them. We can go actually read, read the Bible sometimes looking at all of the excuses and limitations and you'll feel like it was written currently. You won't feel like it was an ancient document. You'll feel like it was written to you because you can find so much in common with these, these heroes that we've made out to be people who had no limitation. But I think embracing your limitation is the first step often to overcoming it. And so embracing the box that you're in mm -hmm. and working with the resource that you have is the first step to seeing God make your box bigger. And I believe that, that he'll do it over time, but it's going to start with what's in your hand. That's I'm Tony DeLorenzo, and this is my beautiful wife, Elisa. Hey there. We're hosts of the top-rated marriage podcast, The One Extraordinary Marriage Show. This is the show where being busy is overdone, romancing is fun, and scheduling sex has taken the guesswork out of wondering when you're going to get some. Each episode, we share what you can do to create the extraordinary marriage you desire. With over 700 episodes, like Information Overload and Sex Pillows and Wedges, there's something for you. Come join us as we talk sex, love, and commitment. Subscribe to The One Extraordinary Marriage Show today, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on your favorite podcast app. Beautiful. It was eye-opening to me when you wrote in the book about OMG, the mm. new way okay, yeah. about taking the Lord your God in vain. And the way you described it, I was in tears by the end of the chapter. And I was in tears while I was writing that, which was originally a sermon and ended up being a part of the book that I called The Third Word, because I always thought that taking the Lord's name in vain meant don't say Jesus Christ if somebody cuts you off in traffic, or don't say, oh my God, or in the South, you might say, dear Lord, all these things that can get a lot more graphic than that, obviously. And that's how I understood it. And I realized that to really understand what that commandment meant, you have to back up just a little bit and see how God revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush. So here's Moses, a murderer. That would have been his identity at that point. Here's Moses, a fugitive. And he's, he's met with this presence. And when he asks God to reveal himself, because God is telling Moses something that sounds ridiculous, you're going to lead these millions of people out of slavery and you only have a staff in your hand. Moses is completely unqualified and even disqualified. And when Moses says, I need your name, God tells him, I am. And one translation is, I am that I am. And of course, the, the original language is Yahweh, and we translate it Jehovah into Latin, but the name means I am. That's how God identified himself. Well, if you continue to progress throughout the scripture, you realize that the Hebrew concept of taking a name in vain Maybe think of it like when you're married, you take that name. When Holly married me, she took my name Furtick, which isn't maybe like the most easy to spell name. So I don't know if she got a, a good deal on that. But she took my name. And when she took my name, she took my identity. So now everything that I have, she has. And everything that she has, I have. That's how the marriage is supposed to be. The two become one. She took my name. And now I'm beginning to see that when the commandment is given to Moses, one of the Ten Commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. It doesn't just mean don't misuse his name, OMG. It doesn't just mean uh, don't, don't, don't say his name in this context. It actually has to do with how I take his name as a way of life. 
and as a way of belief. So when I make statements about myself, because God said his name is I am, and when I receive him and when I put my faith in him, everything that he is, it becomes who I am. You know, there's many scriptures to support this, but the Bible says that he has given us everything we need for life and godliness, that we can have anything we ask in his name. So we have his name, we have him. When I took his name and called myself a Christian, like Holly took the name for it, everything that God has and everything that God is became what I have and who I am. So when I believe that God is holy and God is righteous, that's good. But when I say things about myself that contradict who God is, if God lives in me, I'm taking his name in vain. And when I saw that, I realized that we all have these third words where we say, I am stupid. I am, sometimes it's not words, it's phrases, a complete idiot. I am, we don't always <laughs> say them out loud. Sometimes they're spoken over us by others, but usually it's the soundtrack in our own life. And, and what I'm realizing now is that if I change my third word or the phrase that comes after I am, if I change that confession in my mind and the way I see it, it's just a matter of time before God's identity begins to shape my reality. And that's what unqualified is about, is saying, I am unqualified. I feel that way. That's the way I feel. But if he qualified me, then I am called. And once you begin to evaluate those, those third words in your life, you realize you have a mixture of them. Some are good, some are bad, some are probably accurate, some are inaccurate. But getting my third words about me to align with God's third word, because when I say I'm, I'm stupid, God says, well, I'm, I'm not, and I'm in you, and you have the mind of Christ, so don't take my name in vain. And we don't often see the connection that when we're putting ourselves down in that way, we're actually, we're, we're actually limiting who we believe God to be in our lives. And that's the point Paul came to when he said, when I am weak, that was his third word, then I am strong. Why? Because my identity now in Christ is greater than my reality was without him. And so I'm choosing to believe about me what he has spoken even more than what I see in myself. I love it. He said, if I am afraid, I am brave. That's right. Or I'm alone. No, I'm a team with God. Yep. Yeah. I am accepted. I am new. I am righteous. You know, you can, you can actually make a list of these. You can get one. You can get ten. It's a very powerful thing to evaluate what are your third words or what are your third phrases and how does that align with what God has called you to be? I think you hit on the big one that I am alone. That's mm -hmm. the feeling that keeps you stuck in isolation. But when you realize I am accepted, that's really the message of this book, that God is not in love with the future version of you. God is not in love with who you're going to be in 12 years when you lose 20 pounds, when you hit a certain number in the bank account. God is not in love with some version of you that only exists in your imagination. I am accepted right now, accepting your own acceptance, accepting who you really are, and accepting the process of change. I, I believe that's the key to seeing God use your life in big ways, even if you feel like it's a small start. Well, the book is called Unqualified, How God Uses Broken People to Do Big Things with Pastor Stephen Furtick, New York Times bestselling author, pastor at Elevation Church, and dad, 
husband and bench presser. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to work on my deadlift, so I'll have right. a better answer next time you ask me. Let me know. I'm at 324. I'm not going to get there, Amanda. It's gonna, that's an <laughs> un unrealistic expectation. <laughs> I appreciate your time very much. I wish I had more, but always an honor to speak to you, sir. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. Man, I don't know about you, but that is exactly what I needed to hear. I feel like I just got a confidence boost. Watch out. I feel like I get a Wonder Woman cape on or something. I hope you feel the same way. Hey, if you want to know more, Stephen Furtick's book is called Unqualified, How God Uses Broken People to Do Big Things. You can find it online at all major bookstores, and you can find out more by going to IamUnqualified.com. He's also going to be on the show throughout the week. To find station times and listings near you, just go to AmandaCarroll.org. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, we hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and to, especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com. Our world can feel chaotic and uncertain. But we don't have to live enslaved to fear. Christ has promised you and I his peace. And throughout scripture, he has provided powerful truths and practical steps to help us experience greater freedom. I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, inviting you to join me and my team as together we learn how to starve our fears and grow our faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com. Thank you so much for your support of the Get Your Brave On podcast. I'd love to connect with you. Call my hotline anytime and let me know how this podcast is impacting your life and how you're silencing fear at 5304-AMANDA. Let's connect on socials and get more strategies to silence fear every day on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Amanda Carroll Show. And if you want to go deeper, join my Patreon. You can get daily motivations and prayers and meditations and live videos. Just go to getyourbraveon.info and sign up to be a member of the Get Your Brave On tribe. Join our Facebook group too. Just search Get Your Brave On. And I'd be honored if you would follow this podcast and subscribe and even leave a review. That helps more women just like you facing a plot twist find more strategies to silence fear. I'll shout you out in the next episode or even send me an email to amanda at amandacarol.org and tell me how God is using this podcast in your life like Kim did. She said, I just want to thank you for your podcast. I signed up in July and honestly, always deleted your message. <laughs> it's okay. Or sometimes just took a quick glance. But today was different. It was if God was drawing me to really take a look at it. And I did. After downloading the app to get a podcast, I went back and clicked on the prayer. As I stood in my bathroom, brushing my teeth, the words just filled the room with a peacefulness. It came over me and it was like a weight had been lifted. The stress of living with a few disabilities and being on long medical leave from work for over a year and the stress of trying to go back to work with homeschooling two kids, I was keeping it all in. I just wanted to know how much you make a difference. I even shared your podcast with my mom, cousin, and brother, <laughs> even though he's not a lady. 
He's going through a tough time and wanted him to hear the prayer. So bless you. Bless you. I am so thankful that God used this in your life. You're my why. I'm honored to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you. Reach out anytime. All the links are in the show notes. And I love the idea of you listening to the episodes while you're brushing your teeth. I actually think it's perfect. Start your day with me. So just make sure you follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Get your brave on.